0: Some of the more common myths that we hear about are uh, like about the fountain of youth. Someone who finds this fountain of water, if they drink from it or if they bathe from it, that they will regain their their youth, um, heal their sickness, live forever. Another legend that's similar to this is that of the Holy Grail, where if someone drinks from the Holy Grail, their youth will be restored. They'll have eternal youth, indefinite sustenance. Those are some of the older stories about how to gain immortality. But recently in modern times, there's a new myth about about how to gain immortality. This new theory is called the singularity. The belief is to put trust in technology, uh, technological advancement, to get to the point that all sickness and even Age can be cured by technology. All these stories have a few things in common. There is not only a desire for life, but for eternal life. And all these stories look towards something of Earth to provide them with eternal life, a fountain, a cup, technology. In effect, these stories promote a savior that is a created thing. However, there is nothing eternally saving about a water fountain or a cup or technology. No thing on earth that we seek can provide us with eternal life. This is important for all of us to understand because everyone in this room has a mortal body and an eternal soul, which means unless... Jesus returns, then there's a day coming that the blood that is flowing in our veins will run still. Death approaches. And every person on earth is looking for something to provide them with life. What we are going to study this morning is important for each of us because our eternal souls are at stake. Eternity is on the line. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if One has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, as we come before you this morning, I ask that you'd open up our eyes, open up our hearts to your word, that you would expose any sin in our life, Lord, that by your grace uh, we would turn from sin and uh, turn towards you, that we would live a life uh, in worship uh, for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the the big idea today is because of our identity in Christ, we are able to seek eternal things by setting our minds on heavenly things, putting to death what is earthly in us, and putting on what is heavenly and righteous. So because of our identity in Christ... We are able to seek eternal things by setting our minds on heavenly things, putting to death what is earthly in us, and putting on what is heavenly and righteous. Every person is seeking after something to provide them with life, to provide them with satisfaction, pleasure, or fulfillment, purpose. Mankind is built to pursue. And here lies our problem. The nature of mankind is to seek earthly things and not God. To seek temporal things rather than eternal things. It is our sinful nature to try and find light and life and created things rather than creator God. Scripture is clear that nobody seeks after God. Romans three, ten through eleven says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one seeks after God because in mankind's wickedness, we seek earthly things instead. This is the fallen state of mankind, pursuing life in things that only provide death. If this is the state of mankind, always pursuing after life and things that cannot provide it, then is there any hope? What can be done about this? And this is the power and the beauty of the gospel. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, If then you have been raised with Christ, it is Christ who has come and pursued after us and provides us with life, even in the midst of us seeking after life and earthly things. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is a God who pursues God searches out and saves his people. And so there is hope for mankind who blindly pursue anything and everything other than God because salvation belongs to the Lord. It is Christ who raises you from the dead and gives you new life and a new identity. I pray that we never lose sight of this. We have nothing to add to the gospel. We have nothing to add to the saving work of Jesus. It is Christ who has died for us. It is Christ who has paid the penalty for our sins. It is Christ who rose again and defeated death. It is Christ who offers forgiveness to all those who repent and believe in him. And it is Christ who raises us from our death and gives us new life. And here is the entry point to what Paul's about to say your identity. Here's what Paul says about your identity. It is Christ who you died with. It is Christ who you are raised with. It is Christ who you are hidden with. It is Christ who you will appear with. And now from these truths about who you are, you are to live in a way where you seek eternal things. Paul's making an argument for how you are to live that is based upon your identity and what Christ has done for you. It is Christ who you died with. He says in verse three, for you have died. Where is this coming from? What is he talking about here? This is the death of the old self. This is dying to sin. Paul speaks of this in other letters as well. Romans six, one through two, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can, how can we who die to sin live in it? Galatians 2.20 also says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. With Christ we have died to sin because we have been crucified with Christ. Our past old self has been nailed to the cross and died along with Christ. And it is Christ who you are raised with. If then you have been raised with Christ. This is a raising from death to life. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, press says, Trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it is Christ who you are hidden with. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. It is Christ who we are hidden in. When Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to hide themselves within fig leaves. But fig leaves do not hide you or protect you from the wrath of God. In fact, no earthly thing can hide you or protect you from the wrath of God. But Jesus took on the full wrath and punishment for sin. When we are hidden in Christ, we are safe from the wrath of God because he has taken it upon himself for us. It is Christ who you died with, it is Christ who you are raised with, Christ who you are hidden with, and it is Christ who you will appear with. This is a, the future glory. God is going to transform us. Philippians 3, 20 to 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now, because of who you are in Christ, having died with Christ, having been raised with Christ, being hidden in Christ, and looking forward to the appearing with Christ, seek after eternal things. We are to live out from our identity with Christ. What does it mean? Look like to seek after eternal things. We live on the earth and are surrounded by earthly things. Uh, It's where we live. Uh, Thankfully, we aren't left hanging to figure out what this means. We're given four distinct ways to seek after eternal things. First of all, seek what is eternal by setting your mind on what is above, not below. Our natural tendency is to set our minds on things of this earth. And again, this makes sense because we're surrounded by things of the earth. We, uh, but sometimes we can forget that all that is created has a creator. As we enjoy the things of the earth, we should be drawn to worship the God who created all things. What do you find yourself setting your mind on? When you set something down, whatever you set it on is holding it up. Like when you put a plate on a table. The, the table is holding up the plate. The, the table becomes the foundation for the plate. What are we setting our minds on? What is the foundation for your mind? When I think about setting my mind upon something I'm drawn towards thinking about what captures my attention. What is my mind drawn to? There's a lot going on in the world around us today. Um, The year 2020 has been a big year for the news cycle. There's a lot happening in the news. There's a lot of opinions out there. Do we set our minds upon people's opinions of the world? Or maybe even... Our opinions or are we setting our minds on the next project we have at the house Uh, if we or maybe if we can just accomplish this next thing whether it's at the house or some achievement at at work then we'll feel like we have satisfaction and, and rest there's always more to do and more to accomplish when our minds are set upon earthly things instead of heavenly things, chaos and destruction follow. We can see this on a large scale in the nation and and world, um, but we can also see this on a smaller scale in our own living rooms, within our own families, right? Uh, When you have two little kids who set their minds on wanting a specific toy, end up fighting over it, chaos and destruction, come uh, when we set our minds on earthly things. A mind that is set upon earthly things seeks what is temporal instead of eternal and is controlled by earthly things and will respond in earthly ways. So what does Scripture teach us about setting our minds on things that are above? On heavenly things? Look at verse 13. Chapter 3, 9 through 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. A mind that is set upon things that are above is a mind that is set upon truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. From the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. He says, do not lie to one another. One who is lying has set their heart and mind upon falsehood. Christians, we must be people of the truth. And what is to be our source of truth? In a convoluted world where truth is hard to decipher because there's so much deception taking place, where are we to find truth? We find truth in God's word. Set your minds on things that are above by setting your mind upon scripture. And God's word is where we will find what is true and what is lasting and what is eternal. The word of God is our source of truth. And in the word of God, we find the truth about who God is, about who Jesus is it said being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator renewed in knowledge the knowledge of god is renewing we will find the knowledge of god in scripture as we soak in the truth of scripture we will soak in the knowledge of god and our minds will be renewed and this is transformative romans 12:2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A way that God transforms our hearts and minds is through the knowledge of him. Seek what is eternal by setting your mind upon what is above and not below. Secondly, seek what is eternal by putting to death what is earthly within you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is strong language. Uh, putting something to death is an aggressive action. In our first year of marriage, uh, working at the camp in Michigan I was working at, uh, there was a time I was sitting on the couch, uh, just reading a book, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw something scurry across the floor. Oh no, we, we got mice, okay. So I, I was wearing slippers, I took my slipper off. This is my weapon. And I slowly crept over there. It was over in the corner of our house that was right by an entry point, And there was a couch here. So I went over there and I, I looked over the couch to, to see it. And lo and behold, as I looked over there, it was a spider. Now, this spider, no kidding, was at least the size of, of the palm of my hand. Um, it, it, it's, it's called a dark uh, fishing spider. And part of the reason why I lived in Michigan is because I thought I was staying away from this type of thing. Uh, I, I, it, it's true, they actually eat fish. I thought that they only lived in the Amazon. Um, so I... I, honestly, I was like a little bit nervous. I, I was expecting a mouse. I was a little bit nervous about killing it. It's a giant spider in the house. Um, I, I attacked it. I put it to death. Okay? Um, what is earthly in you that needs to be put to death? That, that is how we're supposed to go after the sin in, in, in our life. Attacking it. Um, This is an interesting question to ask ourselves. We need to be aware of the sin that is in us. Uh, If we're unaware of the sin that is within us, then we don't have a chance to fight against it. If I was unaware of that spider, I I wouldn't have known to kill it. I wouldn't have known to attack it. Paul points out some specific sins that need to be put to death. In verse 5, It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But now you must put them all away, anger, skipping down to verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. All these sins are seeking after something earthly. It may be pleasure. Sexual pleasure is fleeting. It objectifies people and makes them a means to self-satisfaction rather than people to be loved and served and shown the grace of God. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Uh, These sins can be a means of getting back at someone by using your words, your emotions. There is a desire for revenge and to make someone look bad in order to make yourself look better or even justify yourself. Covetousness is a great example of seeking after temporal and earthly things. To covet is to yearn and crave to have something that is not yours. To covet is to look towards an earthly thing that belongs to someone else and expect it to satisfy your longings which is why you want it. You want it to satisfy yourself. Earthly things may provide you with temporal pleasure, but salvation will never be found in the things of the earth. To think that is idolatry, to attribute salvation to a created thing is idolatry. To look for true and eternal satisfaction in anything other than God is idolatry. Now, Paul ends his section about putting to death what is earthly in us with with something particularly interesting. Uh, We are told that within the kingdom of God, there is no distinction between people groups. Look at verse 11. Here there there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is countercultural today where everyone wants to label everybody by their skin color or some other distinction. Here's the thing about labeling people to label people is to divide people Greek, Jew, uncircumcised, circumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Dividing people brings about division. Dividing people causes division. But there is unity in Christ who is not partial in who he saves. Put away earthly distinctions between people. There are only two distinctions that should be made between people, and it goes right back to the beginning of the chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ... There are those who have been raised with Christ and there are those who who have not been raised with Christ. This is a kingdom distinction. And those of us who have been raised with Christ should be seeking out those who are lost, those who have not been raised with Christ, in order to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Some may object to this and say that To live and think like this is to ignore uh, certain groups who may be hurting or oppressed. Uh, Of course, as Christians, we are to care for the hurting and taken advantage of. Um, This thinking does not minimize or ignore those people who are hurt or oppressed. In fact, it helps them. It is for their benefit. Uh, Instead of being taken advantage of because of their specific worldly distinction, They are instead welcomed as people. Uh, This is a reason that Paul mentions this here, uh, because these earthly distinctions had a history of causing division. Greeks and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, those are earthly distinctions that caused some problems within the early church. And you also have Paul specifically calling out a people group who was specifically being looked down upon and treated poorly, the, the Scythians. The Greeks typically viewed the Scythians as people who were violent and uncivilized. The Greeks saw them as inferior to them. Paul does not minimize or ignore groups of people, but specifically calls it out in order to address the problem. That those who have been raised. With Christ, should not view people through earthly distinctions, but rather have a kingdom oriented mind. And with this mind comes unity within the church and compassion and love for those who have not been raised with Christ, which motivates us to pursue them in love for the sake of their eternal soul. Seek what is eternal by putting to death what is earthly within you. And thirdly, seek what is eternal by putting on what is heavenly. Not only are we to put off and put to death what is earthly, but we are also instructed to put on what is heavenly. Those who have been raised with Christ should not be wearing their grave clothes or going back to their grave clothes. Uh, Think about Christ raising his friend Lazarus. In John 11, Jesus calls his friend out of the grave. In response to the call of Jesus, Lazarus rises from the dead and comes out of the grave. John 11:44 says, "The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth." Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go." Those who are dead wear grave clothes, but you have been raised with Christ. Grave clothes should not be what you wear anymore. You are to put those off and wear the clothes of life. It would have been silliness for Lazarus after being raised to life to go back to his grave clothes and put them on. So what is it that we are to be putting on? We put on the character and righteousness of God. Verse 12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We are called to live out our new identity in Christ. We have experience the compassion of Christ. It is the kindness of God that drew us to repentance. It is because of the humility and meekness of Christ that salvation was made possible. Remember, we're, we're people who used to live and walk and sin. All the things we are to put to death and, and put off are things that we have done. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 6. In, the, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But God was patient with us and bears with us in our sin and offers forgiveness to us. All this is to show the love that God has for his people. If you have been raised with Christ, then you know and have experienced all this. And now, this is our calling, to put on the character and righteousness of Christ the way we see each other and act towards each other is so important as we look at christ we learn that what he sees with his eyes moves him to compassion luke 7:13 and when the lord saw her he had compassion on her and said to her do not weep and matthew 9:36 when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd this is a repeated Pattern in Scripture where Jesus sees people and has compassion on them. Doesn't this make you glad? Christ offers his compassion, and in his great love, he offers forgiveness of sins. He offers you new life and new identity in him. So now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This knowledge allows us to live in peace. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of God surpasses our understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As we put on the character of Christ, this affects the way we see the world and and how we act. And we're now able to forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. Seek what is eternal by putting on what is heavenly. And lastly, Seek what is eternal by living in thankfulness to God. He says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. When we are thankful for what God has done for us, we are reminded about eternal things. For we were condemned for eternal hell, but because of the forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ, we are bound for eternal life. The one who is thankful to God is one who has the word of Christ dwelling in them richly. And what, is the heart, and what is in the heart comes out of the mouth. Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thankfulness to God draws us to his word. We are captured and gripped by his word. And as the word of God enters our hearts and minds, we then speak the word of God to others, and we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God out of a thankful and grateful heart. This thankfulness infiltrates every area of our life. So now whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we live a life of thankfulness, we live in a way that is constantly and continually reminded of the gospel, which is to be consistently setting our mind on eternal things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The world lives in a constant state of thanklessness towards God. May it never be said of us, for we know what God has done in offering his son Jesus Christ on our behalf. Seek what is eternal by living in thankfulness to God. Isn't it a beautiful thing that we get to live out our identity that God has given to us? Because of our identity in Christ, we're able to seek eternal things by setting our minds on heavenly things, putting to death what is earthly in us, and putting on what is heavenly and righteous. The world will offer you earthly and temporal things and say that they bring life. They will say that we ought to set our minds upon what is of the earth, that salvation and eternal life can be found in things like pleasure or health or technology. Do not be deceived. Set your mind on Christ, for he provides salvation and eternal life to all those who believe in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you provide eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you'd give us the ability, the grace to live out the new identity that you've given us in you, that by your grace and power that we would put to death what is earthly in us, Uh, by your grace and by your power that we would put on what is heavenly, that our minds would be set upon what is above and not of this earth. And so, Lord, we we pray this all in, in Jesus' name. Amen.